Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, you may have seen uh, in the news that the doomsday clock has been set to 90 seconds to midnight. That's the closest it's, it's been since it was established in 1947. Established by a group of atomic scientists, its aim was to warn the world of the existential threat of nuclear war. And in that, it's been very successful. The word doomsday immediately attracts our attention. If there was a things aren't so bad clock, would we pay much attention? Probably not. Because of our inbuilt negativity bias, Dr. Mally Coyle is, Coyne is a clinical psychologist and the author of Love In, Love Out Mally Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. How are you? Uh, I assume our negativity bias is a kind of a a survival mechanism. Yeah, absolutely. Our brains are wired for survival. That's the most important human task is for us to survive. And our brains have been wired in that way for, you know, since the beginning of humanity. So it is a completely normal thing for people to focus more on the negative than on the positive because it's a way to keep us safe. It's, you know, if you're crossing a road and a car is about to run you over, you're not really thinking about, you know, like, uh, you know, the, the kind of, uh, different things you know the nice things about life or about rationalization you're just thinking i need to get out of dodge Mm. so how do human beings progress at all then Uh, because that that would kind of imply we'd be stuck in that kind of negativity cycle yeah i mean i suppose we've developed a rational brain so the negativity cycle is more related to our fight or flight response you know the amygdala behind our ears which um, you know, prompt us into action and release these chemicals in order to help us to fight flight or, you know, or, you know fight flight. So what humans have since done then is we've developed a more rational brain, our prefrontal cortex, which is the, the top of your head, and that helps us to problem solve and to try to remain calm. So there's lots of things that you can do. It's almost like you have to consciously bring the rational and the, the, the positivity in because your brain will instantly go towards the negative. Mm. I suppose that's why so many things in our culture, negative things tend to attract more attention. Fear always works. Oh, it totally does. I mean, it's one of the, one of the studies, or many studies, have found that for every upsetting thing that happens, we need five positives to balance it. So negativity sticks so much in our brains that we need the positives to to balance it out. And that's why it's so important for us to, you know, the psychologists talk about the use of managing worries and, you know, pausing mindfulness, doing things, having balance in our lives in order to activate our rational brains. Because it's very hard if you're in fight or flight mode to actually activate your soothing, calming brain. That's actually, that's interesting. Last night I was having a conversation with uh, one of my infinite supply of daughters and we were talking about applying for jobs and that in the course of your life, you might say, just for the sake of argument, that you might get five jobs uh, and have a lovely, happy life because of those five jobs, but you'll always remember the 30 jobs you didn't get. (laughs) That will always stick in your mind. Totally. And it's the same on social media or or anything, any feedback. If you've just given a presentation, 99 people say you did great. One person Mm -hmm. said you did bad. And you're going to constantly think of the person who said something bad, because as humans, we also want to improve. And that's good in a way. You know, we want to kind of take feedback 
So it's not necessarily that this is a bad thing, but just some people are more prone to worry than others. Like, and that, and so therefore, you know, the doomsday and the kind of global, you know, cl- you know, the, the worry about climate change, about war, nuclear war, those kinds of things, even though it mightn't affect them on a daily basis, like right now, right here, it becomes more of a worry for them because they're more prone to it. Mm. Is it possible, though, to set a balance? Because, you know, while, you know, you can't be obsessing on these things, you don't want to be Pollyanna-ish about it either. Yeah, I mean, there's there's ways, like, I'm, I there's a really good guide online. It's called Guide to Living with Worry and Anxiety Amidst Global Uncertainty, which, came, which is a psychology tools guide, which came about during the pandemic and is free in PDF form online. And it talks about different types of worry. Real problem worries are about actual problems that need solutions right now. For example, the very real concern about the virus at the time and probably still for many of us. And then there's hypothetical worries, which are about the current, about things that aren't necessarily going to affect you right now in this moment. So they kind of talk about maintaining balance in your life. So every day having something bringing you a sense of achievement and enjoyment and connection with other people, because that's what we need to do. But then also identifying whether your worry is a real problem worry or a hypothetical worry. And so if it's, if, it's a, if it's a hypothetical worry, you can maybe delay that worry a little bit. There is such a thing as called, you know, delaying a worry, kind of saying, I'm going to worry about this now for like the next 10 minutes, but then I'm going to stop. Or else letting the worry go and focus on something that is important to you right now. Um, so it's all about whether a worry is controllable right for you in this instance or not. And that can really help with, with worries. Mm. Hard to do, though. Just switch off or say, I'll give it 10 minutes and then I'll forget about it. Yeah, but I guess it's just about like I do this when I've worked with many uh, parents and kids and they might have a worry box and they talk about worries at a specific time of the day. It's almost like your brain gets sick of thinking about the worry. <laughs> so, so it's like reverse psychology. You're like, OK, I'm really going to think about this doomsday thing right now and all the different permutations of it and feel it in my body and all of that. And then kind of go, right, enough. I'm going for a walk. I'm just letting that go. Yeah, okay. For, for today. It's not to say you won't think about it tomorrow, you know? Yeah, okay. But then that requires a certain amount of will. Uh, it's probably, but could that you know, also depend to a degree on your personality type? Some, for some people, that might be more difficult to let go of. Yeah, it, it is. And that's why I would say, you know, for anybody that's struggling where, you know, like this is when we know somebody might be, you know, kind of clinically depressed or clinically anxious or have more of a difficulty than what they can manage alone is when something that's more hypothetical really starts to impact on them, like something that might have happened to somebody else. Re- they take it on board, and then you kind of know, right, that's, that's, that's more than maybe you can manage at the moment, and you might need some professional support. I always recommend people going to their GP or, you know, people, uh, you know, going and seeking help from a health professional. There's, there, there's such a thing as a silver clad program out there which GPs can, can prescribe to you for free. It's a psychoeducational tool um, about anxiety and depression, which can really work for people. So I suppose it depends on how much this is impacting on your life and how long this has gone on for. That's what a psychologist mm. would be looking at. Yeah, I, I don't want to sound trite, but 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 to reduce the amount one thinks about oneself, might an answer be to try and think about other people? 
yeah, that you would think about others instead of yourself, isn't mm, it? Yeah. 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 I mean, that's t- totally. And even just acknowledging the thoughts, like we have like so many thoughts every second and not all our thoughts are true. So it's like, okay, you know, I'm really like, I'm, my thoughts are quite gloomy at the moment. I'm just going to acknowledge that for myself and even just being aware of it. But then, you know, I think being a steward of your senses is also really important. So like if this doomsday talk or if, you know, kind of hypothetical worries, well, I mean, some of them, some people might think it's hypothetical, but other people might think it's a real worry. But, you know, if that's really kind of getting in at you, then maybe stop watching the news for a while or don't be like, you know, looking at everything that's going to actually trigger that. So it's about kind of starting to listen to ourselves, like looking at Instagram for an hour might make you not feel great, you know, might make you feel good. So, Mm. you know, maybe choosing not to do that or watching five cycles of the news, do you know? Yeah. If you had a magic wand, uh, uh, Mally, would you uh, (laughs) would you get rid of social media, make everybody forget it ever existed? I can't, I'd love to hear your thoughts, Sean, what do you think? Because <laughs> you asked for a reason. <laughs> well, just because it's, it's obviously, it's a multiplier of, of, of anxiety. It's an instant multiplier of anxiety. You cited the, you know, example yourself that, you know, you can go on any social media and, you know, uh, uh, 20 people say you're great, five people say, no, you're a pile of crap. And, and you know, that you're going to come out of that uh, focusing on what the five people said. Yeah, and I'm like, totally, you know, I I 100% agree. I mean, there was a a program, like say I was, I was, there was a program this week, Eating with the Enemy, right, that, that, Mm. you know, contestants were on. And for those maybe who weren't looking at social media when they were on it, they were less concerned, because I do a lot of TV assessment work, they were less concerned about the reaction from people than those who were on social media. So definitely, if you are, and and I'm thinking, like, I've got an 11 and a 9-year-old, they, I'm constantly being pressured for them to like, you know, start TikTok and this, that and the other. And I just kind of feel like it, it injects this level of negativity and difficulty. And it can be really positive as well for people to stay in touch with friends and to feel like they're they're in with the crew. But it also has a lot of negative, negative uh, effects, particularly for young brains who might find it hard to manage the balance. You know, Mally, thanks a million for speaking with us today. That was Dr. Mally Coyne there, a clinical psychologist and the author of Love In, Love Out. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.